This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. There is no Todd in today. Uh, his oldest daughter, Ainsley, is running in the prestigious Drake Relays again this year. So he has the day off for that. We do, however, have Aaron McIntyre with us because we wouldn't be on the air if we didn't. And then also we have not one, but two guest hosts for the Dace Group, which will start here momentarily. Of course, the state of New York, very well represented today uh, and in many respects representative of the two Americas. We have our good friend Shannon Joy from The Real America and Paul Alexander is here as well. Paul, how are you? <laughs> After what you did to me the last time, days. you had to know that this was coming, dude. All right. I came loaded today, so Did you? you're on notice. All right. Yeah. All right. So, folks, let us know. Paul, by the way, um, is the former uh, senior strategist communications director for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign. Kind of our token lib. And in fact, by being an actual lib, he is a token everywhere he goes because there are not very many of him uh, anymore. Uh, which is why they tend to hang out with people like us now more days. Uh, Paul is living proof of that Elon Musk graphic that he tweeted out yesterday. Did you guys see this one? Yeah, yeah. Where he talked about where the uh, the the left was 20 years ago, and and he was left of center, and then they moved the center further to the left a decade ago, and he was still left of center, but barely, while they moved it way to the left, and then now he's right of center while they literally ran off the, the sheet of paper, okay, is the graphic that Elon Musk tweeted yesterday. And I thought of you, Paul, when I read that. I think that's a fairly fair uh, characterization, don't you? I, I saw the graphic you're referencing, and uh, it, it rang true. So, yeah. So, we will get to our weekly look at the week that was here in a moment. Of course, you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, Steve, at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. At Steve Day Show, Getter, you can follow us there too. And look for us on MeWe Parlor and Gab as well. Get clips of the show free of any censorship whatsoever when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. They are free to watch there as well. This is not free, but can we get the camera on the uh, lid that is behind me? Is that possible, Aaron, nope. or not? What I don't I, think so. What, what if I lowered that? There you Does go. Does that help a little bit there? There you go. Okay. You can get a little bit of a look. Uh, this is the special customized, there we go, cooler lid that our friends at Tyga Coolers made for me. I can't uh, see it now. Uh, it's blocked now, yeah. But uh, I got to get to my script. But uh, it is, it's Lindsey Graham looking especially Lindsey with the inscription, getting to the bottom of it. Indeed. Uh, if you want to get uh, your own customized cooler just like that, or there you go, there it is. All Sorry. right, or and I mean the little Musk-like <laughs> graphic they have with it too is just absolutely 
priceless. If you want to get to uh, the bottom of it with Tyga Coolers, uh, they are standing by right now. Uh, they can give you just a regular old premium cooler or they can customize it for you. Everything is made right here in America. The customer service team, actual Americans as well. These are some of the best coolers out there on the market right now. And you can get 10% off when you enter the promo code Steve at TaigaCoolers.com. T-A-I- G-A is how it is spelled. T is in Tom. A-I-G-A. TigerCoolers.com. TigerCoolers.com and use the promo code Steve to get 10% off. All right, next hour, we will get in some feedback Friday. We always look forward to that, but we also always look forward to this. It is time for the day Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with bleep, Lord Nefarious says. I guess drank each other's blood might mislead people or like people are imagining us with like goblets and we're like Game of Thrones drinking each other's blood. It's just a few drops. But yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes. I had a gynecologist appointment today to um, get an Explanon implant in my arm, and uh, which is birth control, by the way. Uh, and my gynecologist is usually pretty um, respectful. I've only had two appointments, but uh, you know she's respected me as a trans person. Well, today, as I was checking out for my appointment. I was standing right there in front of her, and she starts talking to the woman, that's the, the nurse that's checking me out, and she misgendered me right in front of me. Like, a lot of conservatives who are really anti-abortion and really pro-reproduction, they're obsessed with gendering their children before they're even born. So they come into a world fully gendered because it's like how to humanize them and to stop people from being able to have safe access to abortions. Now I'm going to start with a preface that you should be talking to your students about pronouns. Everyone has a pronoun and you shouldn't be assuming what they are. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. And I think it's incredibly important, you know, as someone that covers the influencer industry, to know who is exerting influence in, in this way. I mean, for all we knew, this could have been a foreign actor, right? Or someone we just didn't know. Our undersecretary uh, for policy, Rob Silvers, is co-chair uh, with our principal deputy general counsel, Jennifer Daskal, in um, leading a just recently constituted uh, misinformation, disinformation governance board. And the final thing we're going to show is a 30-second clip. Um, brace yourself. Of Mount, brace yourself. of Mount Walsh. And I want, I would say, I want you to brace yourselves. Of Mount Walsh reading his book. 
All right, brace yourselves. Let's go to the panel. Shannon, ladies first here on the program. So what was the worst of the worst this week? Just glad the cat is out of the bag, honestly. Um, Between the videos from Libs of TikTok and Megan Fox just coming out with all of it, I mean, we all kind of thought this was going on, but at this point, it's just out there in the open that the people who influence us and control us are blood-sucking vampires who are freaking out of their minds, like lunatics running the asylum. And so just seeing all of that put together, we are governed by lunatics. I mean, that's why everything is so stupid. Everything is so crazy. Nothing makes any sense because these people are insane. They're just insane, wicked, out of their minds. I, it's so yeah. I think the the blood sucking vampires, Megan Fox, is is my favorite worst of the week. Uh, this isn't in the clip, Shannon, but help me understand how that question comes up. <laughs> hey, Megan, uh, you know, I rebooted your career with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, you know, and uh, what was it like to be one of the ultimate sex symbols of the 2000 is now you head into, you know, uh, the mature years as a, as an actress. And oh, by the way, um, do you and your boyfriend ritualistically consume each other's blood? I mean, what was the impetus for the question even coming up? Can you even imagine that? Oh, I, I'm sure, you know, they're all self-reflective since 2020 and they're seeking enlightenment and they're meditating and practicing mindfulness. And so I'm sure they're asking her about how she's achieved Zen in, you know, this age of of disruption. And, and so she's probably giving them, you know, the ABCs on on her enlightened, ritualistic, quasi-religious practices and so I'm sure that's that has something to do with it. But they're also just such narcissists and I- idiots. They're in, they're insane. Very very sad, troubled troubled people with way too much money and way too much time. And they all operate in their own little ecosystem. And they're just bananas. They're bananas. And I'm I'm glad we get to see it because they're psychos. Paul, you're next. You know, Steve, I'm a bit surprised that this didn't make your montage, and it's probably because someone stooged me off that I had a special guest coming in. Being the shrinking violet that you are, you wanted to avoid confrontation, but of course. it's too late. It's too late. He's already here, so just... just. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <clears throat> you know... I have not been invited on your show, Steve, for far too long. And as a nonpartisan public health official, I feel it is my duty to inform your audience rather than politicize this deadly pandemic. So I would like to take this opportunity and set the record straight regarding the dangerous misinformation that you have been spreading as well as elsewhere on this right wing fascist tabloid network. First and foremost, yes, on Tuesday, I did say we were no longer in the pandemic phase of this virus. And yes, on Wednesday, I did tell the Associated (laughs) Press that we were indeed still in a pandemic, but what you and your climate-denying, anti-science, anti-medicine, and frankly, 
anti-American viewers fail to understand is that in those 24 hours, the science had changed. (laughs) Because you see, when I first made those remarks on Tuesday, I had not yet learned that our vice president tested positive for COVID-19. And if our vice president, who is vaccinated, double boosted, and wears a mask everywhere she goes, can still catch this virus, then obviously we are still in a pandemic. This is why we must continue to act with diligence. This is why I am a respected public health official and you, as you have admitted on your own show, are nothing more than Alex Jones with Bible verses, if I remember correctly. You you continue to peddle these conspiracy theories about the efficacy of masks and vaccines and boosters when I can tell you with confidence they are the sole reason Vice President Harris is still alive today. And this is why we cannot have these roller coaster tycoons like Elon Musk running wild and making Twitter into some cesspool of free speech and open debate. Because frankly, the science is settled. And if you continue to attack me, really, Steve, you're just attacking science. You can make me follow that up. Aaron, follow that. I mean, that that was brilliant. Aaron, follow that. That that was hilarious. Seriously, though, I didn't even make the connection. What science changed between Tuesday and Wednesday? Wasn't that when Kamala Harris tested positive? Yes, right. I didn't even make that connection before. Um, I'm going back to the Megan Fox thing as well. So I texted when I saw that video originally, I texted my wife, Bella. Hey, you want to take a page out of Machine Gun Kelly? I have no idea who that is. I only know Megan Fox as the Transformers gal. Uh, and Megan Fox's playbook and uh, Drink Each Other's Blood Tonight. And she told me, she she keeps up on celebs a little bit more than I do. Uh, she told me that that, in, that that answer was actually damage control from a previous conversation where she revealed that she and her husband do indeed drink each other's blood regularly. Now, I don't know how that question came up. That then. was the clarification. That was the walk that back? Was, that was the walk back. It's that was only the walk for back. ritual purposes, okay? It's nothing major. <laughs> Purely for entertainment and informational purposes. purposes. Yes. And it's only a few drops of blood. Oh, okay. That changes but things. But I did inhale. Yeah. Remember remember that documentary that, that got into Pizzagate a little bit and the, the, the pedophiles that we watched a few years ago? Yeah. I can't remember, I can't remember what the it was name of it called. Either. Yeah. But this was like... A big element of that, this literally just outright Satanism that goes on in the underbelly of Hollywood. And even after watching that, I'm like, ah, yeah, you can, yeah, whatever. Um, it's it's disturbing, but is that really everything? Yeah, I think it is actually. I just think I think I think that entire town is just Aaron's razor. It's just demonic, bro. Um, and and that clip was no different. Not a bad follow up, and you had a tough act to follow there. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten. With one being the odds Joe Biden is mentally capable to give you a five-minute TED Talk on stagflation. And 10 being the odds that Lindsey Graham has always gone stag to banquets and balls. Rate this week's level of total depravity. Shannon. You know, fellas, I thought I cornered the market 
on going rogue on this panel during the day's group. But uh, Paul Alexander, I didn't put two and two together. He saw my shtick, he raised it, and he doubles down on it. And it's so funny because I didn't realize it was the Paul Alexander, the one that I had listened to a few weeks ago, that just comes in here. It's hilarious. Um, one to ten, I'm a ten. But I'm, I'm going to enjoy this panel today because I think it's going to be a nice roller coaster. Paul, where are you? Well, that's very, very kind of you, Shannon, and the feeling is mutual. Uh, <laughs> you know, you not only gave a jab to Lindsay, but you also took a side swipe at my boy Jeb with the little inhale remark. So I'm, I'm just not going to play your game, Steve. <laughs> it's out of control. It's done. You lost. You lost control. Aaron, where are you? I'm at a, I'm at a 10. Aaron's at a 10. All right, let's get to issue two. Elon Musk. About four and a half years ago, billionaire tech mogul and entrepreneur Elon Musk had this exchange with Business Insider podcast host Dave Smith. Musk tweeted, I love Twitter, to which Smith responded, you should buy it then, to which Musk asked, how much is it? This week, we got our answer. Twitter agreed to sell itself to Musk in a deal valued at $44 billion. Musk intends to take the company private. Musk has made and continues to make it clear he's buying the company purely on free speech principles, saying in a statement, quote, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. The list of ways Twitter has to this point failed to live up to that idea is far too long to recap right now. The deal won't be final for months, but already, and for once in what seems like a long, long time, this digital space feels free. So let me do a little preamble to our first question, just to quantify when we get into, we talk particularly here on the right about things like big tech censorship and shadow banning and algorithms crushing our content. Let me quantify it for you from a firsthand perspective. Okay. So about 70% right now is the new number. It was 80 a year ago. So Facebook is hemorrhaging uh, users, but 70% of Americans, it's a little over 69%. Nice. But I went with 70 to round it up. Now, about 70% of Americans are, have, are, are Facebook users right now. Facebook says on a page that has 135,000 follows, that's my public page, that I've added 400 followers to that in the last 28 days or month, nearly a month. Meanwhile, Twitter, which 75% of Americans do not use, including you, Paul, you have no account there, all right, and you work full-time in politics, okay? So 75% of Americans do not use Twitter. So let me reiterate this. 70% of Americans do use Facebook. I've added 400 followers there in the last 28 days, okay? 75% of Americans do not use Twitter. And yet, since the Musk sale was announced on Monday, I have added now 11,000 plus followers to an account to reach 150,000 plus so that gives you a quantification of what we mean when we talk about algorithms and shadow bands and things of that nature. There is no math in the world, no algorithm or formula in the world that you could come up with. How is it possible I post a half dozen times a day on Facebook so it's not capacity or usage or engagement? What would be the there's only one possible rationale for how a platform that is used by far more Americans who also skew older as our audiences do. Okay, so the audience matchup demographically, there is no other explanation. 
for how I would grow so methodically, if at all, via Facebook. And then Twitter, once it realizes, crap, man, we got to burn these files before Elon takes over in October and has access to all of them and take our thumbs off the scale. All right. Uh, And suddenly my account is just exploding and I'm not alone. This is going on all over the right right now. So with that said, as, as, as kind of a preamble, Paul, I'll give you the first question this time. Fill in the blank. Elon Musk's motivations are blank. You know, I haven't been given any reason to not take Elon Musk at face value here. Maybe I'm terribly naive or missing something obvious, but I believe the man is genuinely concerned about censorship and the clear pattern of punitive actions that Twitter has taken against those who dissent from the progressive narrative. He has the means to interject himself and and reshape Twitter's policies to protect it as a more open forum or digital town square, as he calls it. And I think that's exciting. As you've mentioned, I myself have stayed off Twitter because I was uncomfortable with the lack of transparency and lack of consistency in their standards. And, And I'm not opposed to some level of content moderation. I, sure. I don't want people being harassed or threatened online. We don't want and, kitty and porn certain- freely disseminated. I don't know anybody that doesn't want some form of moderation. The, the, the key is who are the moderators and to what end is the moderating occurring, right? Right now, and Shannon, you've walked through this with your own account getting suspended and everything else. There is no transparent appeal process or anything along those lines. It's, it's, it's totally dystopian. Yeah. It's totally star chamber kind of stuff. It's a Kafka novel. And so you've lived through this personally. Oh, yeah. It's a, a cat and mouse game with me and Twitter, fellas. I have probably three alter accounts. I am now back on Twitter with my real name, my original email address, password and um, IP. And so, you know, it's been two days and it's been good and I'm thankful for it. But this question about the motivations, I've long given up trying to decode the ambitions and motivations of rich people and politicians. Right. I mean, they're finicky, they're fickle, unpredictable. We know they drink each other's blood sometimes like there's no. So this idea that we know, I just want to state for the record that I hope I'm rich enough that you all sit around one day trying to figure out my motivations. Why? But, right. but go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, honestly, I it could it could be as simple as Elon Musk likes the Babylon Bee and he's ticked off. Oh, I think that was definitely a, a, some form of an impetus, some straw right. here that broke the right. camel's back. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, I tweeted this out to my audience because I'm getting a lot of questions. I get these questions. Do you trust Donald Trump? Do you trust Elon Musk? And what I tell them, I have come to the point where um, my rule is I never trust rich people or politicians. Number one, because you can't get close enough to them ever to actually discern their intentions. And most likely they got there by doing something naughty. Not all of them, but most of them. So my rule is you applaud them when they do something good. And in this case, Elon Musk, I like what he did, but you also hammer them relentlessly when they do something bad. And the ultimate rule is to never, ever, ever, ever give them control of your life or your livelihood or your family because they're crazy and they cannot handle the power. And so that's how I answer the question. I really don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out why anymore. I just look at the discernible policy outcome. Do I like it? Don't I like it? Is it in the interests of liberty? And if it is, let's go. Fair enough. Aaron, 
It's a good answer. It is a good answer. Shannon, I, I think to fill in the blank there, Elon Musk's motivations are good. I just don't know what his definition quite yet of good is. I know what the previous ownership and the previous management definition of good is. Good is blocking any dis- any viewpoint I disagree with. Now, they can tell themselves or tell all kinds of lies about why that is the case. But that's their definition of good because fundamentally they have a different God. Now, I don't know what... I don't know what Elon Musk's worldview is. If you if you put a gun to my head and doing more a little bit more research on him and and his actions and his words, I would say uh, the fundamental guiding principle of his worldview is science, not the science that we've been exposed to over the last two years. But science the is like science, a pursuit of science, truth, a pr- pursuit of truth, mm-hmm. observable truth. Mm. Ultimately, mm-hmm. though, that's going to break down if your definition of good is not in line with ultimate good. Now, it may be beneficial. It may be beneficial. And I think it will be beneficial for people like us because that old definition of good as it pertains to the management of Twitter, that was devastating. And that that type of thing is pervasive in the cultural uh, power centers and pressure points. But I think right now, this is probably the best thing that we could hope for. Maybe not our definition of good, but it's going to be better, a lot better than what we had. No question. I don't think it's going to be worse. So, Paul, you worked for the presidential campaign of a candidate that the Democratic Party establishment hates almost maybe as much as it hates people like me. All right. So you may not be the ideal person to ask this question of, but you're the closest to that to that group of people that I could possibly get to ask it of. So I'm going to ask you. OK, um, it, it was it was reported yesterday by Fox Business that Democrats on Capitol Hill, specifically in the Senate, are considering subpoenaing uh, Elon Musk to come and testify as to what his plans are for Twitter and what he means by free speech and things of that nature. Help me understand. How could that possibly go well for them? Unless, unless they have something on Musk privately that has yet to come out. Um, but it, it just a flat-out conversation with him on the merits of free speech and things of that nature, how could that go well for them? How will they not frame themselves by questioning him strictly on the boundaries of free speech? Are they not framing themselves, therefore, as enemies of free speech. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't know how yeah. that conversation goes. Well, am I wrong? No, I, I don't think that anything beyond a 15 second lift, uh, you know, an MSNBC that can take something out of concept perhaps will really do anything to, uh, destroy Elon's credibility. Um, I think most people who, who watch a significant portion of those hearings, if they do occur, will will be on the side of Musk. But it's all about narrative. Uh, it's all about pushing an agenda. And, you know, I, I came across an article on Billboard yesterday that said that there has been a, a mass exodus on Twitter since Elon, uh, his offer was approved. And the, the example they cited, Steve was so telling that they're not even trying to hide the misinformation. Mm. The example they cited was that President Barack Obama has 131 million Twitter followers. And in the past week, he has lost 300,000 followers. That is 
0.22%. Wow. Less than one quarter of wow. 1%. And the headline is mass exodus of Twitter because of Elon Musk. So nah. they clearly don't really care what the facts are as long as they can spin a salacious headline and demonize someone who they think could be favorable right. to their opposition. That's what they're going to do. I just, and for some people, it will work. I, I just don't understand. He, he stands up there and says, uh, I'm pro-choice, I'm pro-gay marriage, uh, and you know I've got no problem with uh, amnesty for dreamers. You see what I'm saying? And they're, they're, I just believe I just believe in an open, honest debate. And I don't hate people that disagree with me, dude. That's far more devastating to them if he stood up there and said, you know, uh, thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts. I listen to this Steve Day show every day. That would actually fit their narrative, okay? But he stands up there and actually articulates who he really is. And then what? says, but I just don't hate people that disagree with me. And I just think there ought to be a place where we hash out our differences. That would that that would go so poorly for them. I just don't even understand. I, I, I couldn't figure out how that could be turned to their benefit. I'll give you 30 seconds to respond because we got to get to the exit question. Go ahead. Sure. The, the drum they're going to beat and the connection they're going to try to make is that less content moderation and regulation over speech is going to result in a bigger, better version of January 6th. Okay. That's the connection they're going to make. Okay. All right. Exit question. If the impact of Musk owning Twitter upon free speech and the national discourse one year from now were a foreigner song, which foreigner song would it be? A, cold as ice. B, feels like the first time. C, long, long way from home. Or D, double vision. And the last one kind of means what's going on on Twitter is dramatically different than what's going on everywhere else. Aaron, where are you? Um, I, I would say the fine, the last option. Double vision. Yeah. Okay. Shannon, what about you? Um, I don't really understand it. I'm not putting it together, but B feels like the first time. Like Twitter used to feel basically. Yeah. It feels like it used to feel yeah. to me. Yeah. We're just going there and bash each other's brains out without any, without anybody getting yeah. in the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Paul. Uh, see, long, long way from home. Long, long way from home. So you don't think it'll make much of a dent uh, overall, free speech-wise? I mean, I think it's a move in the right direction, but it's I don't a long think way. it's going to improve the tone of the national discourse, no. All right, gotcha. All right, we'll come back. Could we be seeing the final chapter in what was the OG culture war issue? Did the Supreme Court give us a tell earlier this week? We'll discuss that in more next No, guys, as we get older, we can be a little sensitive about hair loss and receding hairlines and bald spots. And that's where our friends at Keeps come in. They make it all discreet because it's all done online, which also makes it, by the way, very convenient. And you get direct interaction one on one with your physician via Keeps to get the right FDA approved hair loss treatment for you delivered directly to your door with the generic brands. So you save money all the time with Keeps, and you save big money to get you started. Half off of your first order when you get started right now at Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, at Keeps.com slash grow. Half off your first order to get you started right now, whether it is preventing hair loss, stimulating hair growth, or taking care of the hair you already have. Go to Keeps.com slash grow. Let's get back to the Day group, our weekly look at the week that was, joined by... 
Uh, Shannon Joy, New York talk show host. Paul Alexander, one of the last remaining non-communists in New York City. He will be calling Snake Plissken right after today's show to escape from New York. But let's get to issue three. Is this a tell? Yesterday, Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics apparently garnered a scoop about the upcoming Supreme Court decision in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson, which deals with the Mississippi law banning baby killing past 15 weeks gestation. In a tweet, Trendy said, oh, wow, the chief justice isn't writing Dobbs. To put more context to this, if it's true, Chief Justice John Roberts is not going to be writing the majority or dissenting opinion for the case. The case, unless the law is outright struck down by the court, would be the biggest blow to the premise of Roe in a generation. So from our vantage point, this could mean one of three things. One, Chief Justice Roberts will be in the majority on 863 or 5-4 ruling, upholding the law with a modest rebuke of Roe v. Wade, with likely Amy Coney Barrett instead writing the majority opinion. Two, Roberts will be joining with the liberals in a 5-4 ruling striking down the law with Ketanji Brown-Jackson, Elena Kagan, or Sonia Sotomayor writing the majority opinion. And number three, Roberts will be joining with the liberals in a minority opinion in which the law is upheld, a stern rebuke of Roe v. Wade, and Justice Thomas writing the majority opinion. There are a couple of more scenarios that get into some funky territory, but these are, right now, the most likely ones. Again, just a little preamble to the first question here. And for you guys, just so you're ready, the first question is going to be, which of those three scenarios do you think is the most likely? But um, abortion has been the signature culture war political issue, really, since the modern culture war began. Uh, it compelled Catholics. I've laid all this data out on this show for years now. Uh, it compelled Catholics to vote GOP for the first time since Roe v. Wade. Uh, there has only been one time that the party that won a majority of Catholic votes did not win the presidential election, and that was Al Gore won it uh, barely in 2000. That was the hanging chad election. Every other time, if you win a majority of Catholics, you win the presidential election. It organized evangelicals into a political force in America for the first time. It completed, therefore, the Reagan coalition. That's where the term social conservatives or Christian conservatives or religious right uh, it all stems from this alliance of Catholics and evangelicals in, re in response to Roe. And that led to the last great realignment of the American electorate. So could we be looking at the Supreme Court signaling here that the 50-year uh, battle is about to, at the very least, change? Not maybe completely go away, maybe go state to state instead, but that the, 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 that this First and still probably starkest fault line, well, pre-COVID. COVID, I think, has created some very stark fault lines in the culture now as well. But are we looking at a change here? And what has been the culture war, when you look at the ages of all four of us, this is the only world all four of us have ever lived in where this was the signature culture war issue. Shannon, I'll begin with you. I guess I'll start with a question. My, my answer is none of the above. Um, do we really think that... The Supreme Court, the justices just recently found Jesus in terms of taking up the abortion issue, right? Um, they are taking up the most narrow and polarizing of the life issues in the midst of what we're all witnessing with our own eyes, which is the genociding of millions of Americans today via medical fascism. And our good friend Daniel Horowitz really nailed this yesterday on his podcast, which I actually happened to listen to, in the idea that the abortionists have moved way past the babies. 
okay? We're in a whole new echelon in the United States of America in the name of public health policy. We are aborting senior citizens in nursing homes and torturing them to death through isolation. We're aborting hundreds of thousands of Americans and we have who needlessly died from lack of early treatment for COVID-19. We've aborted hundreds of thousands of Americans in American hospitals through the kill protocol that is put in place by federal and state governments of stay at home until you can't breathe, then remdesivir, then the ventilator, and then you die, right? Now we have the obliteration of our natural immune systems, devastating, devastating negative impacts vaccine injury and death from the, the COVID-19 vaccines. The data continues to pile up and now we're approving them for children. The, the, in the, on the issue of fertility, the studies coming out for American women and men in, in, in terms of their fertility as a result of these ex, uh, ex, you know, experimental synthetic drugs in the, in the vaccines has the impact of potentially affecting procreation. And so I'm looking at this at the Supreme Court and I'm saying, well, maybe they're just saying we're not going to need abortion anymore because we are so devastatingly impacting regular Americans in, in, in the name of public health policy that we're just moving on to the next thing. They can kill us at will. We, we don't really understand that we have given up our bodies in the past two years to, to medical fascists. And so I think this is just, this is a dog and pony show. I don't buy it for a second. What do you think, Aaron? Honestly, as depressing as it sounds, I can't really argue with Shannon on a lot of that. We could be, and this seems really weird. It seems really weird um, to say, uh, but we, we could be living in a world sooner than later where abortion is not the number one life issue. Mm. And if we don't already live there. However, I don't think... That should stop us from, uh, well, obviously, and that's not what Shannon is saying, but um, that's that, you know, if if it is the case that on some level, whether it's sweeping or whether it's narrow, the Supreme Court decides to rebuke or overturn Roe v. Wade, and that's a huge win because babies yeah. are going to live. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more people living, and I think that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, yeah, uh, the very next day or the day before, whenever they make this ruling, they could say, uh, yeah, jabs for all, for evs, yo. It's like the spirit of the age is giving up that issue and, and replacing it with another life issue. So the life issue is never going away. It just might take a different form. If you put a gun to my head and uh, force me to pick from one of those three options that I laid out, it would be the first one. Roberts will be joining the majority, but Amy Coney Barrett, which right now she seems to be more of a, a Roberts acolyte than a Scalia acolyte. Yeah. She will be writing the majority opinion because Roberts is a political animal and doesn't want to be called a woman hater. So he'll have his woman do it for him. Yeah. Amy Coney Barrett does not seem to come across so far as someone that clerked for Scalia, no. uh, more like Brett Kavanaugh and drag. But um, what are your thoughts, Paul? Well, that was a, a very thought-provoking uh, commentary from Shannon, certainly a more holistic take. I'll, I'll try to come at this from a different angle as well. So personally, this is an issue I have admittedly struggled with for, for quite some time now. I, I know the three of you are all very strongly pro-life, and even as someone who does identify as, as pro-choice, I, I do know the sincerity of your convictions, and I, I, I respect them, truly. Regarding this Supreme Court ruling, 
I'm no Josh Hammer. I can't offer you any sort of detailed legal analysis of this. Dobbs That's okay because this process is not going to be legal at all. It's yep. all political. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I won't pretend that I know what the correct legal decision even is here. So with, with that said, here is the political reality of this situation. 60% of Americans believe abortion should be legal, at least in the first trimester. And two-thirds of Americans have said they do not want to see Roe versus Wade completely overturned. As someone who certainly respects the pro-life position and does not support abortion access without restriction, even I have become increasingly uncomfortable with some of the laws being passed across the country, specifically the ones that call on citizens to report on their fellow citizen if they suspect that a termination is going to occur. So with with that said, with a double-digit enthusiasm gap currently favoring the Republicans heading into November, I do believe, as a strategist, that if the Supreme Court does overturn Roe v. Wade or drastically alters it, it would be one of the only things that could shift this momentum and close that enthusiasm gap. It does give something Democrats to go on the offensive with. It creates a sense of urgency and it allows them to attack Republicans as hypocrites after a year of GOP messaging around bodily autonomy with the vaccines. And I know it's not the same thing. Yeah, we hear what you're saying. We get the nuance of the argument. Yeah. Yeah. So does it does it eliminate the gap entirely and allow Democrats to keep the House? Probably not. But it certainly galvanizes the base and makes things a lot more competitive, potentially even saving them the Senate. I think that that's not a nuts. That's not crazy analysis. Enthusiasm gap is key. Midterm elections tend to be, uh, well, all elections are turn out your base election. If you can't do that at maximum warp, you can't win. Okay, but um, well, Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics actually shares that analysis. That is kind of the wild card. That's the point that he's he's making is that this case could be the wild card. But you know what? It could be the wild card the other way as well. Uh, if this goes and they try to strike down the the, the law. Let's get to the exit question. If the state of Roe versus Wade, after the the Dobbs opinion is issued, were an Elton John song, which Elton John song would it be? And I'll even go uh, so far. This time I'll translate it for you guys, which I rarely do. Okay. A, I'm still standing. Roe v. Wade survives as is. B, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. It's totally gone. C, border song. Abortion is now relegated with some meta, you know, as long as it's post 15 weeks, 12 weeks, some meta standard. And then after that, it's it's relegated to the states to fight it out on a provincial basis. Aaron. Um, I'm going to be optimistic here. And I think the optimistic one is is the third option. Border song. Yep. OK. Shannon, what do you think? I definitely think it's C. Let's delegate this to the spineless GOP governors and legislatures in red states who, um, you know, will continue abortion, I think, on 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 demand in most of them. Okay. I don't think anything will change. I think it'll go to the states, but nothing will change. Paul, what do you think? Well, there is nothing spineless about Mike DeWine, Shannon. So just stop <laughs> that. OK, uh, I, so cranky. I believe it'll be C. C. OK. Issue four, our kicker question this week. If, if mm. you could go back and undo one Supreme Court precedent in all of American history, 
Which one would it be and why? With the briefest explanation possible. Aaron. Uh, my answer is yes. So my answer is Marbury because they are the one precedent to rule them all. Oh, because that's where the canard of yep. judicial review even originated. Yep. Okay. I like that one. Shannon, what do you think? I'm going to say 1927, about 50 years after we rejected slavery and, um, and you know, had emancipation, the decision in Buck versus Bell, um, where the government reestablished its authority and its control and ownership of our bodies through forced sterilization. So that was the case where Justice Oliver, um, Oliver Wendell Holmes um, upheld the involuntary sterilization of a woman deemed what they said feeble minded. And he, he made the comment, the chilling comment, the justification that three generations of imbeciles are enough. That established yeah, every not a medical good dude, other window homes. Yeah, yeah, sickening, sickening. And it hasn't been overturned. Yeah. So this establishes all of the medical tyranny and everything we're, we're looking at today. It is that, that seizure of our bodies and, and that court case that needs to be looked at again. Okay, Paul, go ahead. This one is way above my pay grade, Steve. I am just a simple man with kind eyes and a well-defined jawline <laughs> that one day, I, I just want Jill Savage to notice me. So until then, <laughs> until then, I will continue to participate in these weekly roundtables and react uncomfortably to your Lindsey Graham books. Um, whatever the Supreme Court precedent was against or upholding subtlety, that's the one that clearly <laughs> yeah. you want to comment on there, Paul? Yes. Sure. Uh, yeah. Let's get to our predictions. Shannon, you go first. Oh, same exact prediction, different Twitter account. I predict that um, all of the followers that I sent to my pseudo account last time I was on the show are now going to follow me on my real account. I am up and running. It's at Shannon Joy Radio is the handle. The O is actually a zero, one change in the character. So at Shannon Joy Radio. And I hope to restart that following and, and build back better on Twitter ever since Elon Musk. Hopefully it means different to you than build back better means a better means to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Paul, what about you? Speaking of the White House, I think 2024 is the year America finally galvanizes around election fraud. And justice is served because your next president of the United States will be Gore won. I, t- I told it. you. You know it. I told I told how many months ago did I tell you Gore <laughs> Might be, might be a 2024 contender. Going to have a second win, guys. Yep. I feel it. No, I thought you were going to predict Jill Savage will still be hot or something like that. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. But that's, sure. that would have just, that'd be, you know, that, that, yeah. that would be a given. Sky Air, is blue. So yeah, in, indeed. Yes. The Chiefs will make a move, whether or not he drops to them, to move, uh, to uh, draft Jalen Tolbert, the, probably one of the best wide receivers still available out the, of South Alabama. See, I'm, I'm a draft next, so I know who that is. How much research did you have to do to come up with that name? Jalen Tolbert? Yeah. I mean, uh, zero. How, how much of a dig did you do? Zero. Zero? Okay. I just have this all at the top of my head. You don't? No, I know exactly who he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my prediction is there's going to be at least one attempt between now and October when the sale would be scheduled to go through. There will be at least one attempt to Kavanaugh Elon Musk. At mm. least one. Mm. Yep. In the next so that in the next six months, there will be at least one attempt to do it. So that's my unfortunate prediction. I take no joy, no glee whatsoever in it. But um I think we might run that one back maybe once or twice. We shall see. Paul, it's always good to see you, brother. Thanks for stopping in again, as always. And uh do try to stay safe there in New York City. I know it's not as easy as it used to be. I'll try. 
Shannon, good to see you uh, as always as well. All Thanks, right. guys. And, and Paul, we will attempt to try to get you on with Jill, but at this point, the odds <laughs> of that might have actually gone down. All right, but ah. uh, we'll see what we can do. All right. We'll come back with some uh, feedback Friday. You and the audience get to take over when we return. Stay tuned. With hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre. No Todd Erzin today. He's at the Drake Relays. That's not Todd. And he would hurt you for that. See, but, we, usually, but we will never tell because it was very funny. Usually I pan over to his empty, I loved it. Empty Clint Eastwood seat over there. Oh, and I that forgot good. that I still had the camera. That's great. <laughs> Somewhere out there, Todd is getting to the bottom of it. Oh, he Todd is the day off. Uh, his daughter Ainsley running again this year in the uh, Drake Relays. Uh, so you just have the two of us. And then, of course, you can join us as well by letting us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That is D-E-A-C-E. On this, you know, on second hand, there might be a striking resemblance there. They're easily confused, Todd and <laughs> Lindsey Graham. Ooh, yes, indeed. Uh, you can also follow us, uh, Steve Dace, on Facebook, MeWe Parlor, and Gab. And then at Steve Dace Show on Getter and Twitter. And then get clips of the show free of censorship that are also free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that is rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. For those of you that listen to the podcast version of the program uh, delayed because you listen later, uh, delayed, thank you very much. Please, if you don't mind and have yet to do this, leave us a five-star review if you like us, and then also hit the subscribe and follow button. And we want to thank all of you that have done one or both of those things for us already. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. You've got 360 spots in your body from your neck down to your feet. These are called joints, and they are crucial for flexibility, activity, etc. But as we get older, they can also become hubs for inflammation. And that's, chances are, unless you have something clinically wrong, that's the chronic pain that you are dealing with right now. That is, uh, the, and it will manifest itself as lingering, achiness, soreness, etc. You're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by three decades of clinical research in the last going on three years of me using it daily. So I can I can testify to the effectiveness of Omega XL, which you can get right now. Uh, I take it with me wherever I go. Uh, and you can find out why I like this product. If you want to try it today, buy one, uh, get a second bottle for free when you go to omegaxl.com slash Steve. That's omegaxl.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800 844 4888. That's 800 right, let's get to some feedback Friday. Aaron, are you ready? You bet. I hope you are, because this one is kind of for you. Oh, no. All right. It's an issue right in your generational wheelhouse. Uh, I've gone back and forth many times whether or not I should send this email, but I have decided to in light of the furious campaign against forgiving student loan debt. I want to preface this by saying I have over 50K in student loans I took out. And I should pay them back myself. However, I believe an exercise in strategic empathy needs to be conducted. Despite my disagreement with my millennial counterparts regarding the student loan debt problem, I do see their point and seeing something from their angle is important. In my generation, there was continuous and relentless propaganda pushed by the schools and pop culture regarding college and the need to go there. 
Everyone who was not college educated was treated as a rube and an outcast if the person was not part of the or if the person ended up being part of the blue collar community. Parents treated their children as badges. Imagine a professional class woman having their son be an electrician. Perish the thought. Would any conservative intellectual be okay with their son or daughter being a lowly workman? If they exist, they are the few. Believe me, I met these people when I was a student at Hillsdale. These children were largely abandoned by their parents as well. Not abandoned in terms of being left on a a firehouse porch, but abandoned in terms of any coaching or education from their family units. Parents often divorced and having their careers as their first priority treated their children as an item to strike off their life list. Having issues with your teachers, do what they tell you. Can't sit still will just drug you into a coma. Uh, They were therefore easily convinced by their school counselor with their counseling degree, their English teacher and doctorate in English, and their principal with her gender studies degree that they had to go to college. Who wouldn't? Money? What about money? You can sign this document right here and have tens of thousands of dollars and that gender studies degree will just pay for itself. Look at this shiny income in our book. Also, the federal and state governments have created a situation where education will constantly increase. What college wouldn't want to have a flood of federal government guaranteed loans into their institutions? Any government grants are matched by an increase in tuition of exactly that amount. They also have virtually limitless demand because they expand degrees into every discipline on God's green earth. At this point, they are requiring master's degrees for jobs that make 40000 a year. This is due to degrees losing all value. Why? Because everybody kind of has one. Except me. I, I don't have one but I hear what you're saying. Let's say that you do get a real degree and a real job. What do you see? You accepted a job way below what they told you you would be paid. A heavy inflation environment, which was created by the previous generation's monetary monetary policy, social security that you will never see, and Gen Xers and boomers who refuse to retire and stay in their job, even though they type with two fingers and stare at their smartphones like cavemen contemplating a fire. That was mean. It was. It's also <laughs> largely true, even though our generation got thrown in there, too. Uh, also, have you tried being promoted as a white straight male these days? Not that they would admit this, but we know it affects the attitude. Uh, also, let me hand out, uh, let's hand out money everywhere. Ukraine, here's a football full of cash. Go along. Black ar- black market arms trade anyone? Bipartisan. Print money for stock buyba- buybacks. Inflation? What inflation? Bipartisan. Money to colleges, universities, large banks, connected companies, on and on and on bipartisan but you people with college debt f you this is what they see from us again i do not agree with them however here are a few of their points and i can see the rationale for why they think this way it's not productive to be as dismissive of them as we are being first of all i actually made this kind of argument a couple of years ago when this was a hot button issue why i predicted that this was going to happen because there is no rationale for it to not happen if you're a boomer or a Gen Xer, that's me, you have no, you're gener- on a generational level, you have no moral standing whatsoever to say, we're not going to cancel all this debt. Because you willingly and openly, and, and save me your emails, I lived on a hut! Don't die, I've never taken a government dime! Okay, cool, dude. Cool story, bro. All right, I'm talking on a generational basis. On a generational basis, there is no moral standing whatsoever to say to them that you now don't get your cut of everything that we, decades before you arrived on the scene, were getting a cut already of. So I completely agree with your epistemological here, not necessarily moral, but epistemological um, 
you know, call for empathy in the way we make our arguments where this is concerned. I think Daniel Gaines, by the way, is who sent that to us. I think that's a, I think what he wrote is a hundred percent right on the money. But what do you think, Aaron? Um, yeah, overall, I would say it's 100% right on the money. Um, if you're in favor of like actively in favor of a government bailout, uh, or, or forgiveness of student loans, uh, whenever the, uh, sex change surgery, uh, bubble happens in the next generation, you're going to lack (laughs) the moral standing to say, no, we're not going to bail that out. Nice. Nice. Um, but at the same time. Do you think my generation's really going to see a red cent of Social Security? If we even have jobs, even if we even have jobs that, you know, we have to pay a significant amount to Social Security, do you think we're really going to see a red cent of that that's worthwhile, adjusted for inflation, yada, yada, yada? No. No. No, I don't. So, if the social compact, here's the, here's the brutal, cold reality. If the social compact were not broken, I would have respond. I would be responding to this email a lot different. I'd be responding with personal responsibility. Where are the parents? Uh, the, the the system is broken. Um, uh, the system that requires college degrees to pick up poop off of the streets. I don't know. You know, whatever. I, I would be res- be responding. All those things are true, by the way. Especially the part about the parents, and he hit on that a little bit. Uh, Jesse Kelly was making the same point last night on Twitter. Where are the parents in all of this? They're the ones who want to to to, to brag, as as uh, as Jesse called it, about their little Braden and Jaden and Dayton getting into Harvard or whatever higher institution. Um, the parents kind of get off scot free here, but I digress. If the social compact overall were were not broken, I would be making all of those arguments. But right now, it is broken. And so we are left in kind of a, a vacuum, a, a vacuum of what the agreed upon rules are here, societally speaking. So now we're left to our own conscience. Hmm. And I, I would say, uh, I, I, I would say if you, if, if, if it does not violate your conscience to be okay with the forgiveness of your own student loans because of this is just... For whatever reason, if you prayed about it, really, then I, I don't I have grace for you. If you think, uh, darn it, this is unfair to the people who have already paid off their student loans. Uh, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm going to work somehow to pay them off still. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. We're just in a void of any form of morality, especially when it comes to monetary policy, economic policy in this country for now going on to two and a half generations. And so I have a lot of grace when it comes to this issue, whichever, whichever part or whichever side you fall on. When do you think, and I, that's well put by the way, when, when do you think someone makes the argument, Hey man, I need these millennials to pay for my Medicare. And right now, I mean, saddling them with all this student loan debt, is just crushing their level of discretionary income. So, you know, why don't we just forgive that and uh, raise taxes a little bit to pay for my Medicare? I mean, that's essentially the system that you guys on a generational level have inherited, right? I mean, what's what, this is treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none dare call it treason. The, the welfare state was the most successful treasonous act 
in modern world history. Because everybody has a suckling spot on the government teat. Everybody does. I mean, if you're a, if you're a boomer angry about um, canceling student loan debt, have you thought about who's going to subsidize your Medicare? Who's going to cover the Social Security fund shortfall for y'all? I mean, as Gen Xers, we're heading into our 50s. We got to be rethinking along those lines. That's how dastardly the welfare state is. No one really has grounds to hold anybody else accountable to any kind of standard. And so therefore, we might as well just all succumb to it and then just perpetuate it at the exact same time. Because the cost of living apart from it, none of us can singularly bear. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You just can't live. You couldn't live apart from it if you didn't. If you wanted to, you couldn't. I think... I saw the other day, though, one of the first people who uh, came out to go into the mattress on, mattresses on this. Who, who do you think of, of all the senators? Who do you think? Elizabeth came? Warren. No, 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 no. Go into the mattresses against this. Oh, against this. Uh, Root and Branch, the guy who gave no, a bunch of money to Pakistani Mitt, gender studies Mitt instead. Romney, I saw he came oh, out. Oh, was Mitt Romney instead? To the mattresses against this. You mean the guy who gave Barack Obama his worst idea of government health care takeover before he had it? Yeah. That guy? So. Yeah. So that's again. what we're that's that's the environment we're we're dealing with. Yeah, there's that. OK, um, we'll continue on with emails here in a moment. But first, let me brag on my friends over at Built Bar because they are the greatest single protein bar of all time. And I can't even think of what is a close second. All flavors covered in real chocolate, all of them packed and loaded with flavor and protein and minus the carbs and the calories and the sugar you don't want. All the good stuff that you do want and need. Uh, These things rival candy bars. And now they've got a brand new granola bar line that they just launched. I've not had a chance to try that yet, but if it's anywhere near as good as all their other stuff, then you know it also will be top of the line too. If you want to give Built Bar a try today or you want to try it again, 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 uh, get 15% off when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E. Promo code DACE for 15% off when you go to Built.com. Again, that is Built.com for Built Bar. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. Mac writes, we are at a point in the culture war where our side is starting to get some W's. It makes me think of that moment in Rocky Four during the, ma- the match with Drago when Rocky finally lands a good punch and cuts Drago. Rocky then proceeds to tackle him after the bell. Back in his corner, Rocky's trainer says, you cut him. He's not a machine. He's just a man. The spirit of the age has been cut and tackled by the Florida legislature and Elon Musk's purchasing power when it comes to Twitter. This relates to a point you've made in previous shows that the GOP could have been doing these things all along. The enemy was only human after all. So I referenced this email earlier in the week. And I wanted to read it again because I just think we need to keep reinforcing this point. What's going on right now? We could have been doing this all along. We just got done debating what the Supreme Court will do with Dobbs and we and we gave three options. One and two of them were an outright rebuke of of Roe or even a partial one that would return Roe back to the states. Right. Okay. when I when, when you started working for me here six years ago and how many shows did I do about 
fake pro-life legislation yep. and fake, fake pro-life activism. And why don't we craft legislation that defines what a life is, when a life is, actu- is, is living, when life begins, so that we are actually prompting the court to consider the question that would counterman Roe. In fact, you, when you started here, I was doing those yep. shows. When you were a teenage ki- homeschool kid, listen to this show. I was doing those shows, yep. which meant all for how many years? The last time, Dobbs is the first case before the U.S. Supreme Court that challenges the merits of Roe since Pennsylvania v. Casey in 1992. Aaron, where were you in 1992? I was um, minus one year old. So not alive. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and now you're uh, married mm-hmm. with a kid in a house. Yep. So you're, you're all grown up now. That's a lot of years lost, guys. 1992, I was some, you know, smack ass at, you know, at university majoring in super Tecmo Bowl and intramural basketball and chicks. Okay. 30 years, 30 years. Stop and think about that. How much money did you donate, some of you, to these causes and these organizations? How many pro-life politicians did you vote for? How many teary-eyed pro-life sermons? Scratch that. You don't hear those anywhere anymore. But you know what I'm trying to say. 30 years. We could have been doing this all along. All along. But there was a problem. Republicans weren't willing to do it. We weren't willing to demand that they do it. And then we weren't willing to demand that they do it, so they weren't willing to do it. You see the symbiotic relationship there? This Twitter account that's just gone nuclear, libs of TikTok, pointing out all these groomer teachers. I finally got so fed up looking at these videos, I tweeted this out today. I said, you know what? This isn't going to be popular to say, but somebody has to say it, so I'll do it. I'm used to being unpopular. If you're a parent... And you can't even take the time to go meet your kid's teacher to size them up to see if, if, if they're worthy of being in a captive audience with your child. You are a terrible parent. And if you're a parent and you did take the time to size them up and still handed your kid over to these people anyway, you're even worse. You're even worse. This has been a question of will all along, but not just Team GOP's, theirs, ours. Ours. When your taglines are better than Hillary, lesser of two evils, the next election, we lose it. It's the end of all life as we know it. When that's your inner dialogue as a movement or a person, there's nothing righteous there. We can't make that mistake again. We can't. We've made that mistake for decades. And it brought us to the brink of the cliff of history. 
If we make that mistake again, we will go over the cliff and it will be deserved. Hell, we still might go over the cliff and that would be deserved too. The dog cannot return to its own vomit. We can't go back to doing business that way again. We will get what we demand if we are persistent in demanding enough. Jesus tells a parable about people who are just demanding an audience over and over and over again, and they're sent away. But that level of persistence finally works. And they get the audience that they sought. Now, he means this in the context of the pursuit of ultimate truth. The pursuit of a rela- the ultimate relationship. A relationship between you and your creator. But it, pre- it pretty much applies everywhere else. Sometimes we refer to it as the squeaky wheel gets the grace or the early bird gets the worm. But we have just been frankly outworked and outconvicted. We can't do that again. We're not doing that now. And look at the results. Look at, look at how some of these levers have moved. With no Republican majorities in Washington and no Republican president in the White House. We did that. This has been about us the entire time. Don't forget that. Thank you, Mac, for the note. Aaron, you want to comment? Yes, I do. Um, okay. Remember the montage, Bleep Lord Nefarious says. I, I began and ended that very specifically because this is this is what our opponents project. Now, it's all demonic. It's all demonic right now with the spirit of the age. They project that they are really just uh, these badasses drinking each other's blood uh, out for more blood. What they are truly down inside, though, when you really challenge what's there, they're the Amazon trauma uh, group, support group, uh, dealing with uh, Matt Walsh's book. That, that's what they are. Just to underscore the point, it's really not about them. With a tiny amount of pushback, look what they become. They just fold. And I think Ron DeSantis, when it comes to Florida, is proof positive that courage of conviction always creates consensus. Mm -hmm. He's got a 59% approval rating in Florida. We keep voting for Republicans like Greg Abbott, who believe that consensus is what gives him courage. It's the other way around. Perfectly said. It's the other way around. And it's us. It begins with us to have that courage of conviction and then demand that of the people we vote for. That's perfectly said. Derek writes, while spending Easter weekend with my lefty in-laws, prayers up, bro, uh, the subject of Christianity came up. I love that, by the way. Easter weekend is the subject of Christianity. But since I was with my lefty in-laws, 
It was just a casual note in our conversation. (laughs) My father-in-law, in true Marxist fashion, claimed that all ideas must be improved upon, incrementally evolved over time to adapt to the interests of all people. When I countered by saying that I trust the scripture more than the whims of man, he replied that we can't really trust that the scripture is the word of God. How would you respond to these lefty Christians who morph God's word into the spirit of the age approved slash watered down spirituality? Well, Derek, I, I think such snottiness deserves snottiness in return. And our Lord emulated this. Sure, I will tell you where I get the power to forgive sins from if you answer for me where John the Baptist got his power uh, to baptize from. I would look at your father-in-law and I would say, you know what? That's truly profound that all ideas need to be improved upon. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to probably wait until you improve on your own ideas before I seriously consider them. I mean, after all, how would we know that your ideas just don't suck ball sweat? Pops? I mean, if all ideas need to be improved upon, if everything needs to evolve, how do you know that what you, do, what you believe right now might not be racist 10 minutes from now? How do you know you won't be a racist next year? How do you know you won't be a homophobe in six months? You might, I might be talking to a bigot right now, Pops, and we don't even know. You wouldn't want me to commiserate with bigots, would you? Of course not. So th- that's some really sage advice. Thank you. They don't believe in their own standard. And, and, and when you articulate these sorts of things, this sort of ignorance, as Todd likes to call it, invincible ignorance, it, it needs pimp slapping. That's how, that's, you, you, you aren't going to wake someone out of this level of intellectual slumber with please and thank yous and niceties. This is where you say, okay, you're a son of the devil. Cut your whole penis off if you love circumcision so much. You're a sly fox. Uh, you remind me of why it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get through heaven. This idea that th- these sorts of rebukes do not exist, they're all over the scriptures, stem to stern, actually. I should wipe these stiff-necked people off the face of the earth, says the God who dies for you. So uh, sometimes these things are required. When the, when the ignorance is this invincible, when we're this prideful in it requires the evangelistic equivalent to Jimmy Cagney plunging a grapefruit into the face of a hysterical broad to get her to shut up chill out because there's nothing empathetic or winsome and I love winsome you know I love the D.L. Moody line when you're winsome you win some okay but there is, there is no clever turn of phrase for the level of dumb, Derek, that you just articulated from your father-in-law. I mean, that, that, that is the depths of stupidity. By his own standard, he has no idea if he himself has good ideas. If everything needs to be improved upon, if nothing, can, if nothing is ultimately proven to be true, how the hell does he know what he believes is true? He might be the bigot a year from now. He has no clue. So therefore, why would you trust in what he believes? Yeah, thanks, Pops. I mean, thinking it over, by your own standard, I should really be dubious of what you spew. So I'm going to hold off. 
Good talk. Appreciate the talk. And you can save me your notes. I don't care. I don't need to be nicer than God, and neither do any of you. Aaron, did I say that this is how we should communicate on a regular basis? Did I say this is how we should address all people all of the time? No. What I said is practice a little discernment. When you have this level of invincible ignorance, you won't be able to reason with that. You need to pimp slap it. Hard. Sometimes the earth opens up and swallows the sons of Korah. Sometimes there just needs to be a flood. Sometimes Nebuchadnezzar arrives. That's the name of the, 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 the buckle on the belt God just took off. Sometimes the people who think they're smart and clever in these pagan cultures in a New Testament world that you're attempting to influence just need to be reminded of who's in charge and what time it is. And it ain't you. I wouldn't be looking to do that all the time. Because that's the difference in douchery and discernment. But this level, on, on Easter no less, on Easter no less, I will have no, no shame or hesitation whatsoever about defecating on the occasion. Yeah. It's going to be a no for me, dog. Back with more Feedback Friday in a moment. So if you missed the announcement yesterday, we're in a full bore recession now. Uh, the economy retracted uh, over 1% last quarter. That's on top of inflationary highs we have not seen in uh, 40 years. The value of the dollar decreasing every day. Now we're seeing countries go out and buy other foreign currency as their uh, default or extra uh, storage currency alongside the dollar. You're paying more at the pump. Wife just uh, sent me a note this morning, 60 bucks to fill up her car. Uh, then there's the grocery store, cars, housing. Uh, the timing could not be better, given what's going on. For our friends over at Bullion Max, they are a direct consumer, precious metals retailer. They help you diver- diversify into gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. It's also security for your family in times of crisis. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space. They offer some of the lowest prices on the internet. Now, if you want to get started right now, you can get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. That's employee pricing. That's the cheapest they could possibly make it. Uh, if you just go to bullionmax.com slash Steve. Bullionmax.com slash Steve. The Silver Kit includes some of the most desirable silver products in the market right now, including that Silver American Eagle. When you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve, but the offer is so good, can only use it once per household, okay? Bullionmax.com slash Steve. Steve, my name is Andrew Stanick, and I wanted to express to you what your show has meant to me. I have subscribed. I subscribe to The Blaze. I watch every episode daily. 
I'm four days from being 25. And for the last two years of my life, your show has helped me in my pursuit of my Christian faith and the need to seek out the truth. I started watching after the debacle of the 2020 elections. You guys were the only ones I could find that were trying to be accurate while also saying what you felt. I wish I could explain how relieving it felt to hear you guys confirming what I was thinking because of your pursuit in truth and your boldness to proclaim your findings in the face of tyranny and censorship. I have fought my entire family on the jab. My girlfriend and I are the last two that have not gotten the jab in a family of 20. And we're proud to say that we haven't. Let me let me stop you right there for just a second, Andrew. On my Facebook page and on all of my socials today is a study that was published in Nature yesterday. Now, this data is from last fall, by the way, which means they've been sitting on it for six months. This is data from last fall from Israel. And it shows you the growth in emergency calls for cardiac events for those between the ages of 16 and 39 that ties directly to whether or not they got any doses of jab and not whether or not they had COVID. And you can get that study right now on all my social media pages. Nature is one of the officially verified science journals. And the truth is becoming so overwhelming about these jabs now that even nature is forced to publish something that it had the data on this. This data, they did this research in October. It took six months to get it into nature. So maybe you can share that with your family members and other people like you that are holdouts about the risk of these potentially poisonous jabs. Continuing on, he says, your show has pushed me back towards my faith and closer with my girlfriend, I could not thank you guys enough. Keep up the good work. The reason I shared Andrew's note is because it's reactions like that that are that are that's the number one reaction we're going for. That's the number one reason we do this. There's the old saying, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for life. In a way, just as we are called, you know, the three of us here are believers, and we're called to be disciples. That's part of the that social compact. We're trying to help pass along a discipleship process to you. That this is this is the new way to this is the this is the better way to live. And it betters your life when you do. It's Moses at the end of Deuteronomy after he has given his goodbye address. And some of his closing words are, I have set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life so that you may live in the land. Meaning maintain the covenant with God, your end of the covenant. And so we do this show this way because we think that this is the way. That's why we do it like this. Because it changed our lives and it's changing our lives as we speak. And we want to pass on that change to other people. Did I say it made us perfect? No. Did I say it made us without fault or blame? Nope. Did I say that it made us better, better people? than others. No. 
but it is a better way to live. So there's blessing and cursing, life or death. Choose life. Thank you, Andrew. This note from Jenny is a little long, but it, I, it, it has to be good, first of all, to get me to even read it, because I get so many notes nowadays that I'm sorry if you can't get my attention in the first couple of sentences and it goes on and on. I, I just don't have time to read through the rest of it. Okay. But if you do get my attention, then I kind of don't matter. I, I kind of don't matter. Sorry. I kind of don't mind how long it is. So Jenny says, first off, let me start by saying my husband and I love your show. You guys' combination of political events with Christian worldview is stellar. It's given me an understanding of the current news with the spiritual discernment of what's really going on behind the scenes, so to speak. I currently work in the pharmaceutical industry, clinical trials to be exact. When the jab was first available to the public, nearly every friend and family member contacted me to get my thoughts. Aaron, I really want to get your reaction to this when I'm done. Sure. Okay. I am the, because I grew up with a nurse. My mama was a nurse. Mm. You're married to one. Okay. I am the designated medicine expert amongst my friends and family circles because I've been in product development for 16 years, so I have access to look up many stats and data figures with the websites through my field. My initial response when it came to the jab was to wait. Given my career, I knew that one year was far too short to bring a good vaccine to market. I advised everyone I knew to wait until more data came out. Sadly, not one of my friends or family listened to or heeded my advice. Of course, as 2021 progressed, we learned far more about this jab than we bargained for. The rest, as they say, is history. Because of my skepticism, I took it upon myself to learn as much as I could about COVID. Shows like Daniel's and yours provided me with the information I need to prepare for when we would inevitably get it. I had all the protocols ready. Now, keep in mind, she's a pharmaceutical rep. She's in the industry. Yeah. I had all the protocols ready, ivermectin, HCQ, vitamin D, etc., and we weathered our time with COVID just fine. Wouldn't you know, the same people who did not take my initial advice started contacting me to learn about early treatments. Word spread throughout our church as peaceful people's loved ones suffered from this terrible disease. I started putting together COVID kits. I had people contacting me up and down Lake Michigan. My kits were the underground railroad of COVID. Corey Ten Boom's ration cards, basically. That's a great analogy. Slowly, the work that God called me to has ended with the emergence of Omicron. Even with as much information as I learned about COVID, I had never heard of, I think it's parasmia, I think is how it's pronounced, or that it was a potential side effect. It's a condition that can onset with COVID in which all smells have a foul odor. This condition hit me in February of 22. Coffee, cooked food, peanut butter, shampoo, soap, laundry detergent, onions, among many other things, have a combination of burnt flesh and rotten egg smell. Honestly, getting through the day, cooking dinner, cleaning, bathing our youngest son, all the normal day-to-day activities have been an uphill battle. I have constant nausea and a lack of appetite from the horrendous smell I deal with daily. My friends have asked if I wished I would have gotten the vaccine. Of course, my response is that even if I would have gotten jabbed, I would have likely still gotten COVID. I would rather live with this condition than risk one of the worst side effects from the shot. I have so many questions about this topic. No one seems to talk about it. Why don't my friends have this condition? Did the jab somehow help prevent this or was this luck of the draw that I ended up with it? 
Is there a medical expert who can shed some light on this topic? My own doctor had never heard of this before. I appreciate your show for helping my family and get, helping my family to get through the worst of COVID. Is there a chance you could introduce this topic so that many people can get over the worst of the long COVID too? Yes, which is why we're doing this note. But to me, Aaron, this goes back to what I said uh, during a lot of the fourth quarter of last year, when it was becoming increasingly obvious we weren't really truly aware of the escalating side effect profile yet when I started saying this in August and September of last year. We were just looking at the efficacy numbers and they were collapsing. And, the, and, and as the efficacy numbers were collapsing is when the government decided, the spirit of the age that is, to put the boot to the throat. It was almost as if because the efficacy numbers were collapsing, now we're going to force you to take it, right? And remember, I used to say this a lot during that period of time last year, which was really the advent of Delta. We know not the long-term ramifications of even an asymptomatic exposure to a virus of unnatural origin or the long-term ramifications of the side effects of an experimental shot who we have not had the time to examine long-term side effects for because in and of itself, it is not, as you pointed out, Jenny, long-term. It's only a year old. Everyone here is taking a risk. Everyone is. The idea that we would get very self-righteous about you choose the risk I chose or you're a terrible person. There is no risk-free proposition here. We were all going to take a risk or risk ruining our way of lives by remaining locked down and masked up forever. There was no way out of this. We didn't do this to ourselves. This is why it is imperative we find out where this virus came from so we can truly make sure that that chain of events never repeats itself ever again. But sadly, Jenny, you are living proof to the truth of what I was asserting six, seven months ago on this show. Everyone here is taking a risk. So what I would urge you to do is look up Dr. Ryan Cole in Idaho, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey. Those are three of the best when it comes to questions like this. Uh, Dr. Molly James is would be up in that group as well. I've had a lot of personal interaction with her, patient to doctor. It's where I got my early treatment from. But the problem is because we don't want to admit um, that there's inherent risk in taking the jab long-term as there is in the virus. We can't really have, in many cases, and in sectors of healthcare, as you found out, a very honest conversation about dilemmas like yours. Aaron, what are your thoughts? So first of all, it wasn't as if the government uh, started putting the, the boot to the throat uh, when the efficacy numbers tanked, that's why they did that. Because as you've said m multiple times and multiple times back then, there could not be a control group. Because what happens when there's not a control group and everybody starts uh, getting blood clots, Cur Curb Street, uh, everybody who not typically uh, gets, uh, you know, uh, heart conditions like uh, heart attacks, strokes, people my age getting those types of things. They can blame all that on global warming or uh, eggs are now the thing that you're supposed to avoid eating or fill in any number of just crock scientific studies. They can say, oh, this is uh, causing the rise of uptick of all of these various vaccine side effects. That's exactly why they did that. And so 
God bless you. God bless you for uh, seeking the, tr- the truth and uh, for, for understanding and see- uh, thinking through all of this, um, which you had a lot at stake there, too, working in the pharmaceutical uh, industry. Uh, going back to the loss of, of smell thing, I, my, my interest peaked at that because I had the exact same thing happen to me. And in, in addition to um, the, 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 the foul smell, I don't know if I ever told you about that. Steve. No, I didn't. did. I did uh, lose my smell initially uh, on the first bout of COVID, which was May of last year, I think. And uh, I remember waking up one morning, felt like I had a cold. Um, I, I like to have, you know, peppermint essential oil kind of helps open up the passageway. So I just, I literally just held it up to my nose and, and huffed uh, some of the fumes. And I thought, boy, this is some really cheap essential oil. I can't smell it at all. And then a couple of hours later, I was in here doing work and I realized, oh, this is one of the, the side effects. Two or three days of that. And then I got into that uh, nasty, just sitting here breathing through my nose. Everything smelled nasty. It was like rotting flesh. It was burning of some sort. I'll tell you what I did. I took a lot of zinc, a lot of zinc, and then a lot of huff. So one thing that I could just faintly smell was uh, that essential oils of various stripes. Really huff that and then coffee because that's a familiar that's a familiar taste and smell to me. And eventually, within three or four weeks, I got over it. But I know of people who that type of condition has lasted a long time. It's really disconcerting. So those are the things I did. I'm not sure. That's not medical advice necessarily. Mm-hmm. But that helped me get over it. Uh, real quick, in many respects, Kirk Herbstreet is proof of my statement. He got COVID and he lost his sense of taste, I think, for like six or seven months. Yeah. Okay. Which is a part of a taste of scent, taste or, yep. or, or scent of smell, and then he got the jab and got a blood clot. So, <laughs> I mean, in, 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 I mean, Kirk Herbstreit's been is living proof on both ends of this spectrum that everyone's taking a risk here. Everyone is. Um, don't forget if uh, you want to take a risk of getting involved in the housing market, particularly right now during these unprecedented times. Being. Nice. Well done. I wasn't sure you were going to do that. All right. Make sure you do so with our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. Just about anywhere you want to move to or from here in the United States, they can help you find an agent with a fully vetted track record of success who will come in, take charge of your situation, but then also remember that you are the one ultimately in charge here. So where would you find this person? Well, the name of the website kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that is realestateagentsitrust.com. And you want an agent that you'll be recommending to people you care about years later. Like I recommended my real estate agent from 16 years ago to Aaron, and he came through for you guys here in the last month as well. So that's what you're looking for at realestateagentsitrust.com. We're going to stick around and tape the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, enjoy the weekend. Relax. Have some fun if you can, because... The fight will be back here on Monday when we resume. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.